Hi, welcome to the second episode of Dance Futures, a podcast that discusses dance as a way of life with people who've made it central to theirs. My name is Dr. Ruth Pethybridge, and for those of you that don't already know, I am a self-confessed dance geek. Dance has always been part of human history, but what might it become in the future? Joining me to discuss this and much more today is Grace Willow. Together, we are bursting the bubble of contemporary dance, which I could exist in quite happily probably for years without much else. Um, But I wanted to extend the reach of this podcast to look at how dance functions in different contexts and with different styles. And Grace is the perfect person to do this with. Now, I need to apologise because there are a few issues with sound on this interview, which means you might hear the odd glitch or silence. um, And I hope you can bear with me and keep in mind that it is part of the sort of DIY culture that is one of the results of this pandemic that Grace and I also talk about. Um, Dance it yourself, do it yourself. Um, So when we began our conversation, Grace and I reminisce about how we first met. Um, We were at a political rally for a group of activists who were on trial for a direct action. And together we ended up orchestrating a spontaneous flash mob. And so this involved obviously creating a, an easy to follow series of repetitive movements that accompanied one of the chants at the demonstration. And honestly, it's one of the highlights of my kind of dancing career, if you like, even though it was completely outside the realm of my professionalism. But watching before my eyes how the movement spread amongst the crowd and continued to do so really throughout the day, um, People would catch each other's eye and just start doing the moves. And in that moment, how after this kind of long, cold day of standing around and quite a lot of anxiety and uncertainty about the outcome of the trial, how it really raised spirits and made people feel motivated, connected and hopeful. Um, So, yeah, it really demonstrated, I guess, um, not only how dance and movement quite literally can warm us up from the inside out but also how it activates the potential of bodies to feel more politically potent and powerful and in that moment I really felt like it was possible that we would win at more things than just that trial that it was possible to create a better future. Oh, it's so nice to be transported back to that um, that first meeting that we had. Explosion of joy. And I think something that was really beautiful about that as well is that it was completely spontaneous and unplanned. And I remember, yeah. just, you know, looking at you and, and we'd only been introduced sort of half and 10 minutes earlier, I don't know. And I was like, <laughs> and that's it, because Alice was saying, oh, you know, you're a dancer and Ruth's a dancer and you guys should really meet. And then... I was like, sure, I think we should do some, I think we should get this going. We're a quick flash mob, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just, it was like, okay, yeah. And and off we went. And it just kind of just exploded, didn't it? And suddenly, I yeah. mean, there were a lot of people there supporting that day. That, that had been a, um, a piece of action and a court case that had run for quite a long time. And it was kind of the final verdict. And so it was a, the energy was really there. And there were a lot of people, yeah. you say it was freezing cold, but suddenly there was this like explosion and everyone was was dancing and it was so beautiful and joyful and and an example of um 
yeah, as you say, how dance just can bring people together completely on the spot, you know, not professional dancers, no rehearsal. Exactly. Grabbing, grabbing what life is offering and going, yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. Dance. And you're still in my phone as Grace Flashmob. You're in my phone as Ruth Flashmob. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I really think it's a Dr. Ruth Flashmob. I think I'll do I like it. Dr. Ruth. Yeah. Oh, that's last. I didn't realise yeah. that. Oh, Tell us, Grace, then a little bit more about how you would describe what it is that you do, how you define your practice. Yeah, so I, oh, it's such, it's such a strange question. I mean, it's a very obvious question. You ask what you do, but I always find it slightly odd because I wear so many hats creatively. I worked for many years mm-hmm. as a professional actor and I, I now work as a, also as a producer and, and dance teacher and choreographer. And so there's... Uh, but I will try to not give you my whole life history. But um, <laughs> in terms of my dance, we work, love that. In a, in a nutshell, I was dancing since I was small. You know, just going to classes and loving dance. And when I went to drama school to study acting, I I got my first dance teaching job, which was a kind of weekend teaching children and teenagers, and just realised that I love that. And all the way through my um acting work I kept this teaching going and I'd always loved choreographing and creative I'd studied contemporary dance prior to going to drama school and so just kind of keeping all these threads going and dance always being a big part of my life and part of how I make my income and then about so yeah was teaching lots of classes lots of stuff in London regular classes um lots of work with children teenagers and then about oh I don't know 10 or so years ago I was invited to teach a dance class at Shambhala Festival and Mm -hmm. um, the brilliant thing about the as they were developing wonderful woman called Lorato who who had this idea to bring dance workshops to that event and it grew from this kind of little tent with a few of us doing dance workshops it's kind of exploded into now you get you know hundreds if not sometimes thousands of people taking part in these dance workshops and and out of that became what is now a project of mine or a business of mine I suppose called Joy in Dance which mm-hmm. is, um it's the umbrella under which I do my dance work my dance teaching my choreography but it, it it really grew. The reason why I'm kind of mentioning that thing about Shambhala mm. and festivals is that it it tapped into something really different that I was realising that uh, lots of people have hang-ups around dance or there's there's things there people think they can't dance, they've got two left feet. or And lots of people who go to those festival classes wouldn't necessarily take a class. And I realised that actually this was such an amazing way to promote body positivity mental well-being like it just feel I mean I've been dancing my whole life because I absolutely love it and I do that for my mm. as a human as well as it being a part of you know how I make my living and so yeah and, and the name joy in dance which I'd kind of agonized over for ages and I was like but this is what I do it's it's giving people permission to and saying to people it feels you know forget what you've been told that you can't dance or you've got two left feet or that dance is not for you or this is not space you can have it it feels wonderful to shake our bodies to music your bodies are amazing forget all the nonsense conditioning that's told you otherwise and connecting to dance and music feels completely awesome and and so that yeah took off and 
and it has led to many many big scale outdoor or big event workshops which is really just encouraging as with that flash mob that day with you just getting people to dance and giving permission and saying this is totally joyful and you're allowed and every single Mm -hmm. is welcome yeah so there's there's such a lot in there to unpack it's so it's so lovely to hear you talking so enthusiastically about it and I can really hear that yeah that drive behind it um and this um it's interesting what you were saying about I think there'll be a common theme in quite a lot of these chats of this feeling that people feel like dance isn't something that 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 they can do somehow or that they can't do it to a certain level or in certain contexts and there's something very specific about festivals isn't there in terms of yeah of that being this kind of more liberated space where people feel able to explore aspects of themselves that perhaps they don't in other arenas of life Mm. um that I can really see how you would be you would be well placed there in a way to invite people in how do you find it with such large groups then like that sense of connection um and you know creating that sort of energy between people when it's such a huge um large scale event like that have you have you developed strategies over the years for that (laughs) I think it's um I think it's something about the kind of collective energy of Mm -hmm. And and one of the things, again, to take the example of Shambhala, that makes, I think, the dance stage so successful there is that it's outside. And there is a wet weather option, but even something about people not having to cross over the threshold to enter a space, you know, it's like, and so lots of people come up to me over after these kind of workshops and go, I I would have never done something like that. I hate dance. I can't dance. (laughs) Suddenly all these people were like waving their arms around to this funky music and I just found myself joining in and it felt amazing and it is like a kind of a rush and a real natural high to um because again people have a lot of stories going on about not being able to pick up dance steps or not being able mm. to choreography and and a lot of the work that I do in those kind of contexts is you know getting everyone doing the same thing and when you're in a group of a huge amount of people and you're all doing something in unison it really doesn't matter even if you're getting it right or if you're a beat behind or it just feels amazing and you're kind of carried by the collective energy of it and it becomes quite infectious I think yeah yeah definitely that kind of synchronicity um that we that we can sink into with other human beings when we're in rhythm with each other is a very real phenomenon I think that lots of yeah that lots of people have experienced in different cultures um I was really interested in what you said about not having to cross a threshold um you know so things something being outside and therefore people can kind of drift into it especially at festivals where you might be sort of taking a slightly random route through and you can kind of get sucked in or drawn into it and I'm thinking about the current climate that we find ourselves in of maybe having to create different kinds of spaces for things to happen in when when we can't necessarily all be gathering inside in the same way Um, and I wonder in relation to that you know it sounds like your practice must have changed hugely if you were doing festival events and and large scale kind of outdoor stuff like you say um, with the impact of covid can you tell me a bit about how you've adapted or what's what form it's taken those changes yeah absolutely it's um 
you're not wrong. I mean, the, the last big job that I was doing just before um, UK lockdown, I'd actually been working with a lovely circus production company called Cirque du Jus, who I often work with. And I'd been doing choreography for them on a show that was out in Taiwan. And we'd been out there for about five weeks in this kind of big scale, uh, you know, outdoor, huge audience, like, you know, the the total opposite of suddenly being asked to stay at home in your you know and, in your bedroom. and suddenly you are like back in my bedroom in England going um okay. <laughs> and as as the uh as before we went into to lockdown in the UK and as it was kind of you know brewing and the rumors were circling the week before I started to have this idea and think well what you know could I it sounds hilarious to talk about it now because everything went online as we've seen but you know I was mm. maybe maybe I could put something online might that work and then my brain's going <laughs> silly who's going to want to do a dance class online and you know and <laughs> then I was thinking oh maybe I will I'll get some classes I'll put some stuff together I'll need to sort out my website and da 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 and then when we went into lockdown I woke up on the first day of official lockdown and I thought actually do you know what this is happening right now I don't have time to sort out the website or put out an event or gauge interest or yeah la 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 I was like okay it's nine o'clock in the morning I'm just going to go on one of my social media channels and announce that I'm doing a free dance class today first day of lockdown at 12 o'clock and I was like you know I've got a phone I'll go live that's what I'll do and I did it and again but similarly to our first meeting you know we could have met that day and gone, oh, look, there's a, I think there's like an opening here for maybe flash mob yeah. demos and maybe yeah. we should like put a team together and like get some budget yeah. and then next year we'll come back and do, oh, we could go, this is happening right now. This mm -hmm. is what the lead is. Let's do it. It might not be perfect, but it will be happening. Um, and so I did that and, and I was like, I had no idea if anyone was going to turn up and people did and everyone was like, that was amazing. That was great. And when's the next one and and that was the early beginnings of what became 19 weeks of dance teaching online and wow. I made the decision to you know then people were starting to put things on zoom and to use other platforms and charge and I was thinking well you know I'm a freelance creative my income has vanished overnight I do need to be making money but this feels really important. This feels like what I can offer at this time, because again, my work is very much, that joy in dance work is very much about getting people in their bodies, shaking off anxiety, giving themselves that. And so I was really creating the classes, thinking people need to be given permission to feel joyful in a time when they're being told that actually they should be feeling scared and uncertain. And of course, this is in no way to undermine all of those feelings and everything that was in the mix for people. And I know these have been incredibly hard and uncertain times, but it just became this beautiful thing. And, and I decided for that reason to keep them free. And I set yeah. up a, an online page where people could contribute if they wanted, but there was, again, it was like, there wasn't that barrier, like we're talking about barriers. And yeah. the total ethos with those classes was everybody is welcome here. These classes are free to access. After the live class is finished, the videos will be available indefinitely. They will all be free. And if you want to support me as a creative, this is my work, then that will be gratefully received. And people did. And it meant that those who had more money to give, it subsidised keeping it free 
for those who who wouldn't have been able to pay and it was just yeah it was the most wonderful yeah. thing actually it's it's been yeah and I love what you're saying about how um about dance kind of it's stepping in to fulfill this need right rather than like you say sometimes there's this onus on doing things in a certain way or managing our social media managing our front ends or whatever and then it's kind of it, it kind of it's arisen because the need was there and it resonates with something that you wrote which you sent me about this feeling um that you had of understanding what uncertainty is in a way that that your career had kind of prepared you for um being uncertain and rolling with the punches as you said and finding these solutions yeah totally um, it, it was very interesting to to feel as as we went into lockdown and, and as I say this my income just vanished overnight because all mm. work is in creativity it's also a lot of it's in theatre and events and live stuff and but I was very very interested and slightly slightly surprised but certainly fascinated by how calm I felt and how mm. yeah as you say I was going well I feel really really resourced by my work by my practice by my lifestyle and actually that I mean this is a, a little tangent and maybe we'll talk more about this but for me dance is something in my life on a personal level that I just draw massive personal like resource from do you know what I mean it's mm. really what feeds my soul and it's really what feeds my fire or or tops up the well or or whatever yeah which is that makes sense for you and um so yeah it, it, I did I felt so I just felt so much gratitude that I had this thing that could like resource me and then I was going well you know I'm not an NHS worker on the front line those aren't my skills I have infinite infinite admiration and respect for those people but what can I so what what am I about and what can I do at this time and yeah and the really um yeah it was just very beautiful to receive you know people were getting in touch and leaving comments and saying we love the classes please keep doing them it's great and the ones that really which is always nice to hear isn't it when, yeah it is. let's, when let's face it. Bit of ego I mean Grace I have to say that your I mean your you know your Instagram posts always bring me joy and um I've you know really loved seeing that and Oh, despite my best intentions to try and take part, I've never managed. <laughs> but that's the, fine. The, There's a lot to do. Um, the, yeah, the outfits, so the outfits are like you know on their own are like enough to <laughs> just motivate me to to put something on and to kind of get up and get out there. You know, and I think there were lots of different responses to lockdown for movers and makers and mm. for some people there was also a sense of actually needing to stop and slow down and be yeah. still and actually just go wow what is it that I do and and reflect and not um and use not that time in a very different way and not not go into making and doing but I think mm -hmm. um oh I did a lot of that as well there was a yeah. lines, you know don't yeah. I don't want anyone to go away from this with the message of going oh god she's so productive she's just so on it you know I, there were days when I didn't want to teach the classes and I just went okay there's no class today and yeah and so yeah that that's definitely in the mix there and having that but having that flexibility and that kind of agility to respond in that way um as well as something that going online in a way has also um enabled to a certain extent um mm. and I think it's also about the way 
you know, I'm talking to lots of different practitioners on here, obviously, and it's also about the way that dance you use dance um, as a way to sort of meet a certain kind of human need, potentially, as you see it, whereas some people are using dance in a very different way to um, explore specific concepts, um, for example, in choreography or whatever, you know. So I think there's also those different impetuses for making and doing dance that that kick in at different at different points you know and again I think bringing that art and activism together like you do means that like you say it's kind of about what what skills do you have as a dancer that can be accessed right now and shared you know? I think you're right and um that that's what was really exciting for me was like the people who were getting in touch and saying you, you know I've I've had such a difficult week I'm feeling so anxious I'm feeling so much fear and 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 then you know I found myself jumping around watching you and your sequins and we're listening to Garage and Beyonce and, and now I'm actually feeling like I feel better yeah. and it, you know and so it's yeah. like um yeah, yeah just just or learning from an all-time hero a, a Britney Spears routine oh <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, I mean, there's not enough time in this podcast to talk about my feelings around that. But yeah, I so from the other side, I was also feeling very, very moved by just how many, how many dance practitioners. Yeah, but yeah, you know, like the one, but Ruth, for those of you who are like Britney, what? Um, Brian yes. Friedman, who's been a choreographer of Britney Spears it's for about 20 years you know he was running workshops online and he's going who wants to learn the original slave view choreography and I'm like all oh, my teenage dreams just came true this is you know and then and and um you know Beyonce uh choreographer you know is doing dance warm-ups for free on his Instagram and uh, there was this amazing sense we've gone way off I don't even remember what the question was but there was some beautiful sense of um sort of breaking down the hierarchy of the industry and just saying actually everyone is it's it's so brave to make work and to make art at every level and mm. and you know it was it was great seeing people at all levels of the industry saying well this is what I've got to offer from like you say some of these these big world famous choreographers to just people in their living room saying I'm I'm not a professional or anything I don't have the qualifications but this is what I can do and there was just this beautiful captive audience of going well we like what you could do that's great and I think it was yeah. so permission giving for people right across and very connecting you know it's like yeah Brian Freeman's doing his thing in his house in LA and here I am in my living room and and it's lush I just yeah very hard yeah and the, so the the thing of technology as an enabling thing that connects us you know as well as um potentially moving further away from live but it also yeah. in in that moment in time again it's sort of come into its own in a different way I can't remember what the question is was either but um I have another one for you so it's fine oh. <laughs> um, which is that you mentioned about um uh training in theatre and in contemporary dance so which again for me I really wanted to get you on partly because I feel like you work in this slightly different area to a lot of my guests who are much more in the contemporary dance world mm. um whereas it feels like you've stepped out into this kind of participatory sector which uh, in which you are dealing with multiple styles of dance. Is that right? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 when I was very small, I did kind of jazz and tap and ballet and modern, as many of us did, and then discovered contemporary and trained in that. And then moving to London, I got really into street dance and hip hop, and that really took off. And and just loving. And then later on, you know, and now teaching things like everything from hip hop to Charleston, Bollywood, and kind of, and it's an amalgamation now, I guess, of all of. If someone said, like, what is your dance style? I wouldn't be able mm-hmm. to answer that. I can say, well, I've trained in contemporary and I've done a huge amount of street dance over the years. But there's so many other um, and more traditional styles that have come into that. When I was doing my drama training, we did this whole thing on, like, very traditional kind of British and, like, courtroom dance and, and wow. Balkan and circle dance. And yeah, so it, that's been a whole other part of my life. And so there's a lot of... There's a lot of influence in there for sure, and that's interesting, though, isn't it? That the, you're saying about this sort of Balkan and and those sorts of and circle dance practices, which are maybe more associated with a kind of folk practice, which is, yeah. um, you know, um, at its best, at its worst, folk is kind of a reductive uh, thing that kind of ties people to some sort of false sense of nostalgia. But at its yeah. best, it's like a um, a very yeah sort of democratic for the people of the people um sort of ethos which I would say is in keeping with the way that you work yeah can I so can I ask you then about um about Bollywood then for example and I wondered if you had any thoughts about teaching that now in the current climate and how you know coming from a different culture what that what that is for you what it means for you Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a really important question. And it's something that I've thought, not just in the current climate, but I've been thinking about really for years. Um, Yeah, I've, as I say, I teach a lot and work with a lot of dance styles in in my in my choreography and in my teaching. Um, So I definitely wouldn't class myself as a Bollywood teacher you know I'm not going around saying oh you know Grace Willow practitioner of Bollywood or practitioner of any dance style actually um mm-hmm. Bollywood is really part of the toolkit that I use um particularly my my joy in dance work which is where the Bollywood mainly comes through for me and that work really is about uh, me and my friend Nicola who's also a, an amazing artist she has we have this kind of expression and it's about like stealth love. So she'll say like, well, what do we do? So mine could be like, well, I teach dance workshops. It's like, what do you really do? It's like, oh, well, I promote body positivity and, and permission giving and letting people tap into their joy. And Bollywood is part of that toolkit. Um, but definitely, I think this conversation about cultural appropriation is a really, really important one. And... I'm, I don't have a conclusion or an answer in terms of how that sits with the arts, because on the one hand, yeah. I think it's very, very important that we look at the spaces that we're inhabiting and who else could be inhabiting those spaces and mm-hmm. how inclusive those spaces are, you know? So if we're looking yeah. around and going, well, it's all white people here or it's all men here or it's all able-bodied people here or it's all straight people here then this is a big issue and yeah for so many reasons and also art becomes absolutely poorer for lack of diversity you know yeah 
so I, I am aware of that. I'm very aware of that. And, and these are conversations that I've had and will continue to have because that's very important. And, but then the other side of it is if we keep too much in our boxes, that's, I don't think that's not, that's not the answer either, you know? Yeah. I don't know. In my utopian dream world, we would all be at, it would, you know, we would all be able to share and borrow and celebrate dance from all cultures. But that would be in the context of much greater systemic equality and, you know, we're, we're far, far from there. So it's just keeping all of that forefront and and really, I don't know, it's hard. I, I hear, you know, the, even the word and I've said it, this expression a lot in the last five minutes, but you know, starting conversations, keeping the conversation going. And I'm like, but what does that yeah. really mean? So I'm really yeah. always trying to root that in a very practical, tangible way in my life. Otherwise, they just yeah. become words. Um, yeah. But let's stay with the utopian dream for a second. Hey, let's. <laughs> let's stay with that. And um, just because this is Dance Futures podcast and yeah. to bring us towards the end of the interview, what might be your sort of hopes and fears for um, the future of dance from this moment forward? <clears throat> it's a big question, but um, it might be at a very micro level of your own work or uh -huh. uh, the bigger picture. Um, my hope is... Uh, and I think I, I touched on this in the bit of writing that I sent to you, I think it would be very easy to look at the current state of things and, you know, lots of theatres closed, lots of spaces, um, you know, audience can't gather in large, large numbers and it would be very easy to feel disheartened. But I actually feel incredibly hopeful and, dare I say it, even excited that this time can be quite freeing. And as we touched on before, when we were talking about Britney, <laughs> we, um, <laughs> you know, it, I think I'm witnessing kind of shame slipping away and people taking more ownership and, and saying, actually, like you said, you know, this thing of uh, we're all in this together is a sentence, which is a little tricky because actually, yeah. You know, I heard a brilliant saying recently. It was like, well, we're all in the same storm, but some of us have got boats, you know. And Absolutely, yeah. Actually, I am seeing a, 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 people are going to have to get more inclusive, aren't they? And yeah, we're going to have to get more inventive. So rather than seeing these obstacles as being hopeless, I'm really, really hopeful that we, you know, we're creative people. And when we come up against an obstacle, rather than going, oh, well, it's all hopeless. How can I make dance? I can't even get in a theatre. You know, how can I create work? There's, I can't have more than 30 people gathering in a park and it's coming into winter. But actually, we're creative. And I want, or I invite, and my hope is that people will go, okay, this is the obstacle. We're creative. How do we work around that because anyone who works or seeks to work in the art and creativity there's always obstacles you know whether it's not enough funding or lack yeah. you know there's always something and for me it's like this is the new game okay let's let's play <laughs> yeah um, yeah so yeah my hope and my hope is that we will see what we start to see during lockdowns people really coming forward bringing that's what it is it's people bringing more of their whole selves in and I felt that the the thing with lockdown and people putting things online as I mentioned was there was this huge wave of permission and I think I think this world is full of completely extraordinary creative people that have got so many gifts that they haven't even let themselves um 
own yet and and what we saw in lockdown was people coming forward and going I'm going to just play a bit of guitar on my on my social media and people going I'm not professional I've never done this before but yeah I've got this beautiful response and so I just really hope um going forwards that we embrace the restrictions and the obstacles rather than just pulling the duvet over our head and saying oh it's all hopeless we'll just have to wait for this to blow over and go back to normal I I can't resonate with that on any level I'm like no we've got to keep rolling with what is yeah and that people become emboldened to step in and start saying this is what I have to offer and not looking for any outside validation you know saying I'm going to dance because it absolutely feeds my soul and I love it not because someone has waved a wand and gone you are now a dancer because you have this job or are earning this much money or and people just saying this is what I want to make this is what I want to do and finding yeah just finding the ways to to do that and to support that and make that happen. I love the way that we have traversed from a political demonstration to festivals to um, Britney Spears um, in Los Angeles uh, to Bollywood um, and I think that really speaks to how you practice dance um, pulling in all these different influences and different um, expressions of it um, that make sense to you in terms of uh, joy really as a central theme. Yeah. So thank you, Grace, and Joy in Dance. And we will put all the links to your work and your handles, social media handles and everything on the Dance Futures website so that people can come and also enjoy your joy. It's it's all there and it's all free. So I'm at the Joy in Dance on all the social medias. And as we talked about earlier, I've made the choice to keep that free. There's a link that people can support, but it's it's very much... Um, yeah, and the invitation with that is just, I hope that that it emboldens people to say, I, I could do that or I could do what, you know, just I, I want to see what everyone else has to offer. You know, I'm, I'm just, yeah, bring it all, all in. I want to see the world needs what, what you've got, basically. So let's have it. <laughs> Great. Thank you. So there's a, that's a challenge to you listeners. The world needs what you've got. <laughs> thanks grace thank you ruth it's been such a joy thank you such so a pleasure to talk to you bye well, bye hello hello what struck you about grace's interview then i love grace's interview she's just such a bundle of joy isn't she and i guess that's exactly what her practice is about it's the joy of movement and of social dance and and yeah the festivals and all that amazing fun of it yeah but it was it was strange because I was having a bit of a low day um when I listened to it and it was so positive and I just thought this is amazing but life is quite hard right now isn't it and (laughs) yeah artists as artists or you know let's face it anyone trying to navigate what life is like now in this sort of 2020 covid strangeness um yeah it was just so positive and I was like I'm not sure I feel that (laughs) positive right now yeah and I think it's really important that you say that and I've been really struck by speaking to dancers like just how resilient and creative and 
engaged they all are in mm. remaining with their form and with that positivity um but I know that all of them are also having days um like you've described where it's hard to see a way forward and, and we wonder whether whether things like dancing at festivals is now a thing of the past or dancing mm. together in in studios and those questions uh, feel like sometimes something we need to reflect on and mourn for and <laughs> build new strategies around um, yeah and as someone who's preparing to go back into the studio with students um, but into a changed environment mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a daunting time definitely yeah. but we're very you know we're flexible physically and mentally as dancers um, so we can we can adapt to whatever these new spaces are and I think I think especially what Grace was saying about inclusivity and inclusive spaces, um, more than ever now, we need to really make sure that where we are dancing is free for all and and anyone can be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me what, what you've... Um, I was just reflecting on the fact also that I'm like sat in my garden right now. Mm. <laughs> you can probably hear things in the background. That's nice. And, and how we are um, having to make yeah make different spaces available and just make with what we have at our fingertips as well um so yeah tell me about anything that you found uh, this week that you'd like to share with us well inspired by grace i just thought i'd look up some inclusive dance companies i know kanduko is a big one um but then i found stopgap who i have heard of before um, and they have a dance film called Artificial Things, which is really stunning. It's it's like 20 minutes long. And the first seven minutes, I'd say, is a solo by a dancer called Chris Pavia. I might be saying that wrong. Um, and he is wonderful. And I just wept watching him. I, it wasn't particularly sad. I don't know whether I was just emotional. <laughs> but it was just so beautiful. And I would really recommend everyone going and checking that out. Fab. And if I remember rightly, it's set in um sort of disused shop spaces which has a very again a kind of very particular resonance at the moment vibes (laughs) yeah yeah apocalyptic exactly apocalyptic um fabulous thank you and i would like i'd also like to give a shout out to an artist who i think is at the forefront of um some of the work with dance and disability and changing the conversation around that that i've um come across it which is Dan Dorr an Australian artist now based in Birmingham so he's another one that I'd really recommend you check out great thanks Um, so much thanks Robin until next time see ya thanks to Robin for that so um Welcome to the bit where I try to offload some of my excessive enthusiasm for dance research and scholarship onto you. (laughs) And that is genuinely from a belief that I feel like I'm sometimes reading this stuff and I'm like, God, if only everybody knew about this, like surely the world would be a better place. Um, So um, I also wanted to say that I realised when talking to Grace about Bollywood that I felt a little bit out of my comfort zone and recognizing that sometimes the conversations that make us feel a bit uncomfortable are indeed the ones we need to have right but also that it's okay it's good even to admit when we don't know something and from that place of 
not knowing, of not having an answer, of not knowing maybe what the right thing is to say, what, or even what you're feeling about something, um, is where some good old-fashioned geekery can come in. So, um, contrary to what Grace said, I am not Dr. Ruth Flashmob, but luckily I know a woman who is. In this case, I am referring to Sangeeta Shastova, who wrote the book, Is It All About the Hips? Around the World with Bollywood Dance. Um, She's based at the University of Southern California, and as she sees it, Bollywood is a form that grew out of liberal mixing and remixing practices. So, like I say, from this place of not knowing, I set out to research and try to find out more about Bollywood. And what Sangeeta Shostova is proposing doesn't undermine the kind of uneven power relations that exist thanks to a history of colonisation. But she does point out um, that participation is really key to Bollywood. So in her, she, write, she wrote an article called Bollywood Dance as Political Participation on Flash Mobs, New Media and Political Potential. So she says that... Um, in a way, I guess, appropriation is part of the very methodology of Bollywood, in particular through flash mobs. So she describes how movements and routines circulate online and how local choreographers don't just simply copy those movements, but many of them take great pride in appropriating, adjusting and at times completely changing existing Bollywood choreography to reflect local aesthetics and context. So... This link is the kind of thing that gets a geek like me very excited. So the link between uh, Bollywood, the form that I wanted to find out more about, and also this feeling of political potential that I'd already identified as something that I felt in the flash mob that I did with Grace. You add kind of social media and film into this mix and there's a really fertile ground for um, interpretation and appropriation, like I said, as a method rather than as... uh, a means of oppression. So I think the key point about cultural appropriation is that context is everything. So each case is also very specific and um, being sensitive to those contexts is what we need to do. We need to be as artists. Um, Now, unlike Mine and Grace's flash mob, which was, as we've said, totally spontaneous. In general, flash mobs take a lot of organising and strategy and are pre-choreographed and things go out online, as I said, and through phone networks. Um, And because of this, Bollywood flash mobs have taken place all over the world and this is now a global culture. And um, Shrestova is writing about it in particular in an American context and the way that Bollywood also... um, enables South Asian communities to tell kind of different stories about what it is um, to identify um, in more non-traditional ways in a contemporary culture. So um, super interesting if you want to find out more, all the information will be on the website. Now, flash mobs more generally um, are something that happens again in a variety of styles. Georgina Gore Writes a, wrote a piece called Flash Mob Dance and the Territorialization of Urban Movement. I tripped over that word there, territorialization. And she says that they these events, flash mobs, have loads of different purposes. So the end goals are often very different. They might be aesthetic, political, economic, or we've probably all seen marriage proposals on YouTube. Or is that just me? Wasn't there a craze at one point? 
um, but that these they create flash mobs, the opportunity for new forms of sociality. So that is different ways of being together. Now, Gore has also done some great writing on rave. Um, she wrote a chapter called The Beat Goes On, Trance, Dance and Tribalism in Rave Culture. And she makes the point that raves in the 80s and the sort of 60s happenings that preceded them occurred in spaces hidden from the public gaze, whereas flash mobs have a really strong, spectacular dimension. They're explicitly aiming to capture the public attention and gaze. And I was really struck by this, I guess, because I'm thinking how at the moment nobody would want to draw attention to a large group of people dancing in public, especially if there are seven of you. So we're unlikely to see many flash mobs anytime soon. But uh, we have been seeing a bit of a resurgence of the sort of free party illegal rave scene uh, in rural areas, especially Um Now, of course, there are questions about being responsible in relation to how coronavirus spreads in large groups. But there are also questions that I have and lots of my fellow dancers have about what is being prioritised at a time like this. And to me, these parties show that the desire to gather and to dance is a human need, really. Um, And it's always been denigrated by capitalist agendas um, and seen as something that's kind of frivolous and superfluous Um, but if it's made illegal if the clubs are not supported to find ways to operate then it's just going to go deeper underground because we need it Um, Gore likened the rave scene to the mythological creature Idra who captivates and entrance everyone who beheld her only to disappear But when her victims tried to destroy her, she would mutate mutate and grow new heads. Now that's my kind of woman. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Oh, yeah. Hello. Okay, you can do it. You got this. You got this. Hi, guys. It's Robin. (laughs) Wait, I can't. I can do this. Good to get you radio. Um... Hi guys, it's Robin. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please follow us on Instagram at Dance Futures Podcast and find our website dancefutures.wixsite.com forward slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We love you. Goodbye. I know I haven't always done right. I know this isn't just the first time. You said it hurts, I said, honey, me too I thought I needed it more than you Cause you know there's a special place in my heart If only I could go back and restart I'm sorry, I don't know what else to say Just promise me that we'll be okay Cause I don't wanna say the missing you keeps me away But just know that I go
sounded good enough for you.